The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. You little turds are going to have to learn you can't run from the ice cream man! Welcome to Subversive City. These films risk-causing harm! They should be burned! I'd like to do any of these two guys at the same time. What? Hell yeah! I don't owe you any book. No more books! Hello, one and all, and welcome back to the show. If you've listened this entire season, thank you very much. If you haven't, go back to the beginning and check it out. We are here at the end of season two, and it's crazy to think that 20 movies have come and gone so quickly yet again. Well, here I am, your host, Art Hall, here your purveyor of the peculiar Wrangler of the Weird and Sherpa to the Strange, and we are closing this season out with 1995's Oh, man, it's just a, a seminal work of horror. Ice Cream Man, directed by Norman Epstein and written by Sven Davison and with an original story by David Dobkin. And to talk about this is returning guest, friend of the show, Mike. How are you, Mike? Doing good. Wow. So this is the uh, season finale? This is it. I'm honored. Yeah, we uh, we made it here. We made it this far. <laughs> So this uh, this movie, I, I have you. You've, I'm sure you've heard of it. Then you've heard of this movie before, right? Yeah, I've, I've definitely heard of it. But uh, it's interesting. This is the first episode I've done where um, I actually had not seen the movie. I only saw it for the first time um, just a few days ago, and um, it was interesting. It was an interesting watch. Are, are you glad I made you watch it? <laughs> sure. I mean, you know, it, sure. it's like it. It it was fun. It, you know. It, very, I mean, it, I, I will say this, uh, very mild compared to, um, you know, a lot of the other movies you, you've had on this um, show. But uh, I definitely, it, this definitely falls into, you know, the subversive um, uh, category, I believe. But um, but I, what, I was also kind of surprised of like, like, oh, this was, this was relatively tame and mild as far as the fucked up goes. But I guess we'll get into that. This movie's just so... I loved it. It's so fantastically bad. Yeah. It's wonderful. So, The Ice Cream Man, it's a story about ice cream, childhood trauma, America's failing mental health system, and Small Paul. How could we ever forget about fucking Small Paul? He comes up so many times throughout the course of this movie. The names of the names of the kids in this are just fantastic. From Tuna to Small Paul, it's everybody's great. You have, oh man, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here. So let's just uh, let's just run it down real quick. So this movie, it's it opens up in an idyllic suburb town, black and white. It feels like it's like supposed to be the 1950s or 60s, when an ice cream man is horribly gunned down. <laughs> By, in a drive-by shooting, as it happens, you know, dying in the gutter in front of this small child, Gregory Tudor, who we learn is Clint Howard, who grows up himself to be an ice cream man after being horribly traumatized by the death of this ice cream man. He even goes on to say, who's going to bring the ice cream to the kids? So I guess he takes it on as his own job to become the ice cream man later. And this is after he goes through one of the worst sorts of uh, mental health recuperations you've ever seen as you see throughout flashbacks which i have to say by the way what kind of an awesome ppo insurance does he have where he's literally <laughs> the only patient in a bed in a big ass white room that's pristine and getting 100 percent attention from the doctor 
I don't know. I think it's a great health plan. So it's all about now. We're in the present day, the 90s. And here he is. Gregory's running around in the same old ice cream truck that his mentor got gunned down in. And he just begins killing fucking dogs and, and grown-ups for no reason. But he doesn't hurt the kids. And the kids are all scared of the ice cream man. And they take it upon themselves to to take him down, even though he hasn't hurt any of them, from what I remember. I mean, there was weird bodies and shit everywhere, but I don't remember him ever killing a kid on camera. It's just, it's just a clusterfuck of weird. And one fact I read was that the first draft was written in three days. I don't think they changed much. <laughs> That's no, how it definitely. felt when it came through. It definitely, it definitely feels, yeah, the movie itself definitely feels like whatever script they were going off of. It's like, they read, they, they wrote this in a hurry, didn't they? <laughs> yes, yes. And there's so many things they try to shoehorn in that don't make any sense. Right. And uh, the last thing, I love how the kids are in this little street gang called the Rocketeers. So random, too. They all dress like the guardian angels, you know, those people who have no policing authority, but they go out as a, you know, community servants to like watch the streets and clean them up at night <laughs> with their little berets and they're all black fatigues. It's wonderfully silly. So let's break it down. We're going to figure out the subversive sauce in this movie by looking at the characters, the story and the what the fuck factor. Figure out exactly how saucy this subversive sauce is. So, Mike, for you, what character or characters stood out to you? And why? For me, in this movie, the characters that stood out the most was, um, it's like, believe it or not, there is a little bit of prestige in this movie. Yeah, um, there isn't one yeah. guy. <laughs> well, well, yeah, there, there's, um, what's his name, David? Um, David Warner, yeah. Warner, and um, but also um, Olivia Hussey, um, you know, very, very well known um, in uh, Romeo and Juliet and um, Black Christmas um you know she, she she's someone that's that's been around and that was interesting casting since at the time of this movie she was only 43 or 44 uh-huh. and the they set the timeline in which she was a young nurse at this at the hospital right. to be 43 years prior so <laughs> yeah it's like they tried they, they literally made her play a 60 or 70 year old woman right. when she clearly looked like she was in her late 30s early 40s yep. um yeah, to, for me, they're the ones that stood out in this movie simply because it, it's like it is one of those examples of like, what the hell are you doing in this movie? Like, you know, <laughs> who who tricked you or how much money did they offer you or like, were, were, like, were you really in this much need of a of a job that, you know, you just took this these roles? Um, because also, you know, they're giving it their all like they're like you know, they're in a different movie. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. And it, it's funny that you, I'm glad you brought up David Warner who plays one of the kids' parents, Reverend mm-hmm. Langley. Now I was really confused just by that whole thing because he's a reverend who's wearing a Catholic priest's collar and garb, yet he's married and has a child. So he's clearly not Catholic, but because they call him Reverend, but then at the same time he has the stigmata, which is very much a Catholic thing, which was random as shit in the middle of a sermon. Just right. oh, stigmata, but nobody. It, it was so that, weird. That's what for me this movie is chock full of of just the like. I mean, I think that we'll get more into this when we get into more of the what the fuck, um, you know, segments. But for me, it's like this movie is just chock full of like just randomness, like 
did yes. I miss something? Like, you know, yeah, all of a sudden, no explanation whatsoever. He's doing a sermon and he's got stigmata on it in his hands. And I'm like, where the fuck did this come from? <laughs> yep, it's just he's sitting there and uh... Jesus so wisely admonished his disciples on the coasts of Judea. Suffer not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Always remember that neither death, nor power, nor height, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which eternally rests in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. <laughs> so you have this interlude that just appears right after, you know, <laughs> the ice cream man has kidnapped Small Paul and he's feeding him ice cream in his beat up factory. And then the sequence is immediately followed by the kids just hanging out. It's like, where's this coming from other than just to see her dad in action? I mean, you get the fact he's a priest. You understand that early on. It's just felt very random. You're right. I think that this movie had, it felt like it had 15 minutes cut out of it. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I, it's just... I would... I would argue, I feel like, no, I, I had like a whole hour. Oh, it's like, a whole other subplot. Yeah, no, no, that, that's how this movie really felt to me. I was like, you know, like every, it seemed like every like 15, 20 minutes, something would happen where I'd be like, wait, did I miss something? How did, like, how did we get here all of a sudden? Or like, what, what motivated this? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was very curious because you know, from his whole backstory, uh, again, I love that, you know, he witnesses this traumatic event as a child, which I'm not trying to downplay that, you know, watching someone get gunned down is pretty hard. But then his like, you know, his mother's like, oh, my poor little Gregory. And then next thing you know, she ships him off to this fucking mental ward where they're stabbing in the brain with a four inch needle on the daily and just force feeding him ice cream. No wonder he went batshit insane. And it's just that whole backstory is just so strange mm -hmm. and it's just like, how did we get to that place? How on earth did he get to having this ice cream shop? Did he buy it? Did he just run in and just do, you know, squatters rights? You know, how does this relationship with Nurse Wharton work? Did she buy right. it because he's sleeping in the ground? He pays rent, but he sleeps in the fucking flower bed of these little fake daisies. Yeah, that was another thing I didn't get. It's like, what is their relationship? You know, what? He, he was always her favorite. So <laughs> we know that. <laughs> So, you know, with me, I always got to pick some of the fringe people because they just interest me so much. And this dude took the fucking cake for me. It was the one hour Photoshop clerk yes. who has apparently worked there, but does not know his prices and has to keep looking back. I don't know if this was, it had to have been planned because it's just sheerly brilliant. His timing is impeccable. It says one hour. You could get our duplicates, or you could get our eight-hour service for 10. Depends on how many exposures come out. I need those immediately. Four by six oversize is 14 bucks. Three by five regular. How soon? One hour, 14 bucks, one day. Well, <laughs> it's like also these, these prices that he's just kind of throwing out arbitrarily, like, yes. <laughs> like it makes, doesn't make sense. 
He just keeps turning back every time. It's wonderful. I he's he's just a fucking fantastic person. I just I need to know who he is. Well, I recognized him. Like I, I like he's he's definitely a character actor. I've seen in other movies here and there. Yeah. So I okay. So you know what? He was in Adam's Family. Uh, both. He was in Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values. Mm -hmm. He played Lumpy Adams. I oh, think yes, yes. he's part of the Ron Howard stable because uh -huh. he was also in Apollo 13. He was one of the technicians there. Uh -huh. uh, maybe Then again, maybe he just got on Clint's good side. He was also in Ed Wood where he played uh, an usher in there. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I, I think that's right. He's probably been in a couple of Tim Burton movies as well. So yeah, he's done some stuff. I, he looked familiar to me too and I think it was purely from the Adams Family movies is what uh -huh. got me for that. And, so I uh, I really liked him, and I can't even play a clip about the other character I like because he says so little. But it's the there's two cops, two primary police officers, the detectives chasing down this guy. There's the bearded dude, and then there's the guy who says nothing and just squints the whole time. Squinty man, Detective yeah. Gifford, and his name is Jan Michael Vincent. And from what I read, he was apparently really drunk during much of this movie. <laughs> Uh, which could it. explain his his particular method, yep. but everything he does, he just he just doesn't have time for the nonsense, and right. everything is just he's not he's in his own scene half the time. When they're walking through the insane asylum later, when they're seeing what it's like present day, bearded detective who was uh, Lee Majors the second, if I'm reading that correctly, played Detective Maldwin. He was, you know, giving it some some emphasis and, you know, yeah. some feeling. And then you got the other guy who's just sort of aimlessly ambling and just, he, yeah, he's he's in his own movie. And I just could not take my eyes off of him. So it was wonderful. Just wonderful. <laughs> Story. Uh, I mean, I think it made sense, sort of. I mean, there's no rationale for why half of the things happen, you know. Um, why did he have to kill the dog? I don't know, but he turned it into ice cream. Uh, I did like that he does take people and put them in his ice cream confections. Right. Um, the eyeball and the ice cream in the beginning was pretty dope. <laughs> I'm surprised that the cop didn't notice it. But Even though, yeah, yeah. Like, how do you not notice you're chewing on an eyeball like that? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, you know, it's been a while since I've chewed on an eyeball. So perhaps we just don't really know what's well, what, you know? But also, uh, another thing I love about that scene is Clint, they show Clint Howard taking an eyeball and it's almost like he takes a little chunk out of the eyeball and he puts that into the ice cream and you see the detective eating the ice cream and they cut to a close-up of the detective's mouth chewing on the eyeball and all of a sudden it's a whole eyeball again and it's just like what the hell yep 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 it's it's a little strange and it's a little funny uh i think that probably my favorite uh turning somebody into a confection uh, or sweet treat would be when the the harlot, mm. you know, woman, who you know she's for whatever reason she's banging yeah. one of the kid's parents, you know, as he's cheating because she's just the neighborhood hussy. But then she gets it, you know, the sweet eye mm. for for Gregory, for whatever fucking reason I don't know. Clint Howard, you're a charming dude. I'm sure you're really funny to hang out with and great to have a beer. But you are not an attractive <laughs> man. I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, not during this film. The beard really suits you though. Keep that, but. She's just like, you need to come and deliver it to me. So he, you know, kills her lover slash one of the kid's parents, you know, puts his head on a giant waffle cone, which I'm glad he had that nearby. 
And then he goes in and he gets her. My favorite detail was after he disintegrated her and he's siphoning, he's wringing out all the random bits that are there. There's earrings, a ring, and then the fucking diaphragm as a contraceptive. That was such a good That That was going to be a moment I was going to uh, uh, bring up as one of the key moments for me. I was just like, holy shit. (laughs) Yes. This movie is bonkers. It, it was so fucking nuts. But uh, yeah, so by the numbers, I think the story makes sense. It, you know, in the broad scope, you know, you have this villain who is hero for the movie. Uh, we pay more attention to the ice cream man than the kids. Even it's a character the study. The <laughs> but it is. I, yeah, okay, we'll go with that. It's a character study. <laughs> it's, oh, man. So, so. You know, we get the, it's by the numbers, it's fine. You know, you, he runs around, he's running amok, doing his shit. Nobody believes the kids. Nobody believes that he's doing anything wrong. Kids, of course, have to prove everybody wrong. Uh, and they win the day in the end. Yeah, I suppose it makes yeah, sense. For, you know, it's... Uh, for me, it's, it's like, not... I mean, there's not much story to make sense here. It's Ice Cream Man is a serial killer. Like, that. you know, what more do you need? But at the same time, yeah, I'll yeah. go back to... Um, it definitely felt like I feel like I can't help but feel the first cut of this movie was like two and a half hours long. And in that two and a half hour long cut, everything makes sense where for me, it's yeah. like, you know, you don't, you understand what's happening, but at the same time, you will feel like you're missing something every 20 or 30 minutes, like something random will happen <laughs> that had no motivation whatsoever, no buildup or no setup early on and all of a sudden it's like you know yeah how uh, how did we get here again like you know okay i guess we just buy that the preacher has stigmata with no indication also you know yeah i get that it was this drive-by that you know traumatized the kid and you know he grew up to be a serial killer and everything i i kind of love that there is no explanation of why did these people randomly do a drive-by on the ice cream man what could the ice cream man have done so bad that you know these criminals had to do a drive-by on him we don't know (laughs) i don't know we don't know um you know what fuck it i just need to see this Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I just had to see if there was an accident or what. No, there was nobody around. They shot the shit out of the ice cream man on purpose. There was, there, it's not like it was a stray bullet or some sort of sad tragedy. It was a, it was a planned hit. So, yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. Also, fun. yeah, like, yeah, the, um, you know, the, the one lady that's, um, sleeping with, uh, one of the kids' dads. It's like, there's no buildup or setup to that. It's like all of a sudden the dad is there with her. It's just like, oh, I guess they're having an affair. Like, you know, what's the backstory there? <laughs> well, I guess we don't need it. <laughs> Who cares? So we're doing this. Yep. That, that, that's that's why I feel like the um, 
the editor or the director, someone like, you know, I'm sure someone was asking these logical questions and, you know, either the director, the editor, the producer, someone was just saying like, who cares? You know, it's fine. Hey, you know what? It was the early nineties cocaine. That's, that's all there is to it. It's just cocaine. Okay. Fuck it. So the story's fine. It works. Let's get to the fun part. <laughs> There's so many things, as we already touched on, the uh, diaphragm was great. I also love how in these movies, if there's a bunch of kids, there always has to be the douchebag older brother right. who then spins around and comes in in the clutch. And this guy, he he has the douchebag thing in spades. And I love that this is our scene introducing him as he's going to give his little brother a bunch of shit about his friend who has a strange name, his friend Tuna. When I become a cop, there's no more flesh and blood. It's just me and the law. We are very proud of you, Jacob. <laughs> very proud. Where's Racer? Sorry I'm late. I was at Heather's and Tuna's mom picked me up. What kind of name is that? Tuna. 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 It's so stupid. Now, Jacob, Tuna is a very nice boy. It's just dumb. I will admit the twerp does stink like a rotten fish, though. And I love that he just keeps going throughout the rest of the scene. Tuna. What kind of fucking name is Tuna? Tuna. As if that that's his thing. That's his hang-up. Like, what is it? Like, no flesh and... What was it? No flesh Oh, he's like, you know, once I become a cop, there is no, you know, family or flesh and blood. That's a, There is no flesh and blood. There's just... Blood. You, me and the law, or you and the law, or whatever. I just listened to it. I don't even remember what I said. It's just... <laughs> Oh, and that, so speaking of tuna, we got to talk. Oh, well, you, we had to talk about tuna, and we have to talk about tuna and the pillow. You yes. know, he's supposed to be he he he's the fat kid in the group. He's the fat kid in the group. Yes, but they hired a you know average size kid, and they put a pillow under his under his shirt. Yes. So tuna, and so obviously a pillow under his shirt. <laughs> Played by uh, played by JoJo Adams, he has a uh, robust robust IMDb with five credits from Bigfoot: The Unforgettable Encounter to Ice Cream Man uh, to his last film, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. And yes, they they took this regular kid, fattened him up very poorly, by the way, which is hilarious because then he has this big chest and stomach, but skinny arms and you know thin thin face. Looks like he might have something glandular instead going on. And it's all for what? A bullshit non-payoff at the end where one, they don't even make a line about it. All they do is look at him, smile, and tap his stomach because it's gone down. That's it. There's no point. It literally had no narrative reason. So just hire a fat kid. I mean, I get it. They make fun of him the whole time. That's not new. Is it nice? No, but they did that with Chunk in, in The Goonies and tons right. of other movies. Just hire a fat kid. The fact that he lost weight doesn't matter. So that was really stupid. That was incredibly stupid. <laughs> he's also he's always like tripping over himself the whole time. Like, yes. you he, know. He's <laughs> incapable of doing anything. Oh, another another just brilliant moment for me is the chase through the crowded uh, grocery store. Oh, like, yes. It's like... <laughs> the setup is, you know, Tuna and his mom are at the grocery store and he sees the ice cream man there and the ice cream man recognizes him and he literally starts stalking him through the store. But the whole whole time I'm just thinking to myself, like, 
this is a crowded store. There are like literally hundreds of witnesses, you know, (laughs) what the fuck are you even trying to convey here? (laughs) Yeah. What are you trying to do? And then he, he sneaks around and then he sees this woman with a cart who's pushing a bunch of like boxes of fruit or something. So he, he climbs on to the bottom tier of the cart. She apparently doesn't recognize that the fat kid got on her cart. There's no, there's no sudden shift in the, in the work that she's doing. Ice cream man is blind as fuck. Can't see. doesn't have any idea. And then they have the best worst red herring when he hides in the meat locker and in comes this butcher, this, this vile looking dude. He's got his, you know, his slicker boots on. He's got a, a fucking meat cleaver and a bloodstained shirt, plastic apron. And then he's just like, don't worry, kid. I'm not going to hurt you. And then next thing you know, everything's fine. It was just like, why? Like there's so many whys in this movie. I don't know. I don't. Oh, the other one, I, another why I want to point out the preacher's wife, that one random scene where she's just fucking speaking in tongues. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Another what thing. What's that like, all about? It's literally no setup, no payoff. There's just... no, there's no reason. <laughs> she starts talking in tongues, and just to give some some uh, example of how random this is, there you're gonna hear the end of the scene before it, and then you're gonna hear the scene after it, because it's that short and it makes that little sense. Yeah. All right. I'll see you guys later. Okay. All right. Later. That's the only connection. That's the only thing that Heather's been acting a lot weirder around her mom lately. Well, it would, no shit because her mom's chewing on Alka-Seltzer tablets and foaming at the mouth in their, their sitting room and barking. It's like, why? What is that? What is that? I and want to see God, the, I want the director's cut, damn it. Yes. And God bless David Warner for, you know, committing to I feel like he must have had the bulk of the the paycheck coming for this. There's no other reason for him to have been in this. Oh man, so that's that's fun. Yeah, there there's quite a bit. Oh, uh, let's see what else. I love um, I love the Rocketeers. How we we hear about them and what their name is, but we don't really get it until we see them riding around with these fucking rockets that apparently they attach to the front of their bikes like they're the Batmobile. And they're just firing them off as, you know, some sort of literal missile weapon. Right. That's good times. And we only see that once when they uh, they shoot up a cop car. Let's see how that goes for them. Ah! Holy shit, the kid's got a gun. <laughs> I mean, my God, the kid's lucky they didn't open fire on him. I know. <laughs> Well, he's not living in today's America, so. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, oh. And also just random. Like, what? Like, why was the kid firing a rocket at the, the cops? <laughs> I, he just got scared, I guess. I don't know. And 
Yeah, and I love that you know you have your 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 create like when they go to see the um, asylum, and it's just gone from this pristine angelic place to this destitute shitbox, which in turn actually makes me wonder: was it always a destitute shitbox, and it's only Greg's drug and trauma affected memories that painted as this white room of salvation? Or has it fallen into disarray? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I like. I don't know if you can think that deeply on, on this movie. I mean, <laughs> well, all I can say is only happy day. A bad day, gentlemen. A very bad day. <laughs> Yes, that's that's it. Very bad day, only happy days. Every day is not a very happy, happy day. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, oh boy. Oh man, this one's something special. That dog, man. What about that poor dog? And that's another that was another like kind of random thing for me, or just what have you. It's just like, yeah, like you know. There's a dog growling at him and, you know, he pulls out like one of those um, frozen push pops that, you know, oh, yeah. reveal, reveals he's got like a dagger there. Yeah. Cut to, it's like literally like a tube with fake fur on it with fake, you know, blood and intestines coming out of it, going through a grinder. Yeah. And it's just like, it is the worst looking dog corpse you have ever seen. It is, and I but I do love the the match cut they do after it goes through. Then it cuts to like the giant platter of meatloaf at right. the family dinner. So that was good. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see your little this uh, seductress picking up on our mentally unhinged ice cream man. And ladies first. <laughs> My, <laughs> I'd like to buy a gallon of your. Uh... Hard pack. Do you deliver? No. <laughs> One, four, nine. That cute little house right over there. Come anytime. <laughs> Charming. <laughs> I forgot about that. Because why not? You go, no, Tuna. Get, you get go, Tuna. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's just bringing out the kid in all of us. Oh, wow. Oh, any other fun little moments that stand out to you uh, as <laughs> memory um, in this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I did. I I, I loved the di diaphragm moment. Like, I thought that was pretty brilliant. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think we I think we, we cover them all. The, you know, the dog moments and, yeah, it's just... <laughs> It's just a it's just a wild ride, you know, wild yeah, ride. I I have to say I uh, I don't know what maybe it was just the time, but uh, I don't know what was going on with Jacob's outfit when he was just you know hanging out with his girlfriend, find out about what's going on, so he you know gets into the car and takes the kids with his gun to go and face down the ice cream man. He gets out in his fucking capri sweatpants and his windbreaker. And he just looks like some sort of, in this one scene, he looks like a heavier set Eminem going, going into the supermarket or something. It just doesn't make any sense how he's dressed. No, no. You, you know why they did that. Mm. Spoiler alerts. 
it's to pay off the big surprise later where you think he's coming back into the car, even though he's walking a little differently. That's and right. they, uh, they, he gets in the car and it reveals, surprise, it's the ice cream man in the brother's clothes. And he what? kills the girlfriend. <laughs> you mean like this? Hiya, honey. And then he stabs her in the neck with an ice pick or something. And uh, then he gets, and then he, he chases the kids to give us one of the most spectacular puppet shows I've ever seen. With show. two severed heads on ice cream scoops. And he's animating their mouths with the, the, the little ice cream release lever. And uh, it's uh, such, such fun, like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead banter such as this. Kids, always getting in trouble. Kind of makes your head spin. Yeah, looks like yours spun right off. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> That's another thing um, I'll, I'll point out is um, a lot of the uh, Ice Cream Man's uh, weapons are, you know, they're, you know, the usual utensils that, uh, you know, an Ice Cream Man would use, like, you know, like, you know, for instance, the ice cream scoop or what have you. Except there are like like ten times the size of a regular. Like he had these two ice cream scoops that were like it's like I have never seen an ice cream scoop that big before. <laughs> yes, these cartoonishly large ice cream scoops. He uses the waffle cone maker. What are those used for? <laughs> like apparently the hard pack mega gallon buckets. I'm not sure. <laughs> One thing I thought that was pretty dope was the ice cream man's split moment where he's visiting the graveyard mm. for butch and then he starts talking to himself and right. he starts talking to the different dead people and i was just like ah you know i can imagine the director taking clint aside and being like clint this is your time to shine <laughs> be every character you've ever wanted to be <laughs> you know and then he has this almost like i feel like it's almost a two-minute monologue sort of yeah. thing where he's just having this discussion. I, I lied. It's about a minute, minute and a half. It's pretty dope. <laughs> so got to give him some credit for that. His Oscar moment. <laughs> That's it, his Oscar moment. Though he does carry a, you know, a easy carry pack of ice cream cones in the weirdest, most inconvenient way possible. Just again, so that everybody thinks, oh, it's small Paul. And instead it's just this giant fucking box with, you know, 10 cones sticking out of it whatever it's it's weird um it's good times yeah this one's this is wonderful and i also have to give a shout out to the music the music is just <laughs> completely fucking wackadoo at any point in time it's all shitty midi synth sort of stuff right let's see And I love that he actually legitimately does uh, fertilize his fake plants with the bodies of whoever he gets. Right. You know, it's like that pinkish powder that he uses that he um, apparently was the woman. So that sort of stuff. It's This is wonderful. I'm just really sad that they ground him up in the vat at the end so that the only hope we have for a sequel is that small Paul has now become this complete traumatized, you know, right. Gregory clone. 
Well, that's what they um, hint at at the end. It's like, you know, yeah, I smell sequel, but you know what it is? They're waiting for that kid to get uh, be just as old as Clint uh, Howard was uh, in this movie. So, we, you I'm know, smelling, I'm smelling was, reboot sequel, <laughs> a requel. <laughs> you know what's really funny though about this? Clint Howard was only like in his late thirties. Oh, okay. He's, but he, but you know, it's like he's just he looks. He's got his. He's a little bit beyond his years and his looks. There, poor fucking Clint Howard, man. <laughs> Oh, Clint, you are a treasure and a character, and and you were forever the ice cream man. You are a treasured character. <laughs> you are a treasured character. Thank you for giving us the ice cream man. All right, so, big question, Mike. How subversive do you think this was, man? Hmm. Well, like I said, it, you know, compared to a lot of the other movies you've had on this show, it, it, it's tame. It's like, Sure. You know, there are yeah, a Friday the 13th movie is more gory than this movie was. This was just like fun. It was just, you know, a fun horror movie. Um, but um, at the same time, yeah, there is a lot of like what the fuckness and, you know, not too much of it. I mean, we were saying like overall the story makes sense, but as a movie, it doesn't really make too much sense, too much randomness going on. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll give this. Uh, I'll give it like a four. I'll give it a four on the subversive scale. Oh, I'll feel that. I'll feel it's it's a little. It's around the fourish. Yeah, I'll give it that. Why not? It's it's a fun, fun, weird, <laughs> wonderful piece. Um, you can find this movie on a litany of things as of this recording. You can find it on AMC Plus, on Plex, Pluto TV, Tubi. You can also get it on Prime Video. And if you're feeling really sassy, you can buy it on disc from Vinegar Syndrome, who uh, is a a restoration company that I will I, I see myself having a very long relationship with because they have so many awesome things in their catalog. So check it out; you will not be disappointed. Mike, do you have anything you want to share with the folks before I cut you loose and send you off to get your own sweet treats from the ice cream man? <laughs> um. I'm actually going to be going into production on a uh, short film in um, April. I'll be finally getting behind the uh, camera again. It's been been a while for me, so I'm kind of excited about that. And uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll keep you all posted on on what happens there. Excellent. Sounds wonderful. So there you have it, everybody. The Ice Cream Man, 1995. Clint Howard rocking it out. He's awesome. It's crazy. It's yeah. Just go fucking watch it. You will not. You will not regret it. So thank you again for tuning in this season. It has been fun. It goes by way too fast, and there's just too many damn movies to talk about. So let me know if there's anything you'd like to hear about. You can email me at subversivecinemashow at gmail. Let me know if there's any movies you'd like to hear on this. And hell, maybe you could even come on and talk about it with me. Until then, make sure you come back for Season 3, which will be coming at you at the end of July. So, come back then. Until then, have a wonderful summer. Enjoy your time. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out, too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content. Subversive cinema.